This is Off the Dome with Matt G. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Off the Dome podcast, sponsored by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Um, Hello, everyone. Welcome to a victory Monday um, for my Chicago Bears, um, getting that big win against the Minnesota Vikings game. We'll start with that in a bit in a heavy packed podcast today. Um, We got the we're talking about the Bears. We're talking about a bunch of NFL topics. In the next hour, I'm going to interview David Rudin, um, pre, pre, um, known on Twitter as Metaphorical Batflip, and we're going to be talking about Chicago sports and music. He's a huge music guy, and this is not the only episode I'm doing today. I'm doing an episode later tonight um, with Pencil It In host uh, Jacob Pincel to preview the NBA season. So let's get right into it. I said this was a victory Monday. Let's start with the Chicago Bears. They pulled off a much-needed win yesterday to keep uh, playoff hopes alive uh, by beating the Minnesota Vikings 33-27. David Montgomery was incredible. 32 attempts on 146 yards. Um, and Mitch Trubisky made just enough big plays for the Bears to win. 15 of 21, 202, one touchdown. Did have that one bad throw in the end zone, but but that was not consequential. The defense was terrific sensationally, um, stopping Dalvin Cook on big fourth downs and a big interception on Kirk Cousins in the on Kirk Cousins in the end zone. Um, this was a great, much-needed win for the Bears. Um, I'm very happy that the Bears kept hope al- or keeping hope alive in the playoffs because for up until their game against ten- against Houston, I was thinking in my head, okay, we lose that. Let's just hope for a good pl- um, draft pick. That's that's not good to think like that. Um, but the fact is, they beat Houston convincingly. I know that it was against the Texans. The um. The top one of the bottom two ranked defenses in the league, but still, it's hard to beat a team thirty six to seven, and the Bears did that. And the week after, they beat a Minnesota Vikings team that has a very good offense than that a team that's better than what people think. Um, and the Bears were able to win that. Um, they the defense was not great the entire game, but it was great situationally on big stops with Dalvin Cook on fourth down. Um, and forcing Kirk Cousins, um, pressuring Kirk Cousins, um, and making him throw just a bit erratic throws enough in the end to a point where the Bears were able to hold off. Um, this was very impressive, and the play calling that Bill Lazor was able to do instead of Matt Nagy was great. Um, a lot of short routes uh, with A-Rob, nice simple th- throws that Mitch has. The offensive line protection um, with Mustafer and Alex Barr moving positions really helped. Um, and, and the running game, I got I can't praise enough about David Montgomery. The running game was incredible. Um, this was probably the best game I've ever seen David Montgomery play in his brief time with the Chicago Bears. He, he, he is terrific. He was terrific yesterday. Um, as I previously mentioned, uh, 32 carries, 146 yards and two scores. It's incredible. He's had some long runs. The O-line's really helping him out. He's caught some nice screen pass. He's caught a, a couple nice screen passes, and and, and it was a terrific um, it was a terrific uh, win for the Bears um, and David Montgomery. He was terrific. The offense 
has looked really well recently. They are finally, with Mitch, obviously with Nick Foles, it wasn't going anywhere because he was a statue. But with Mitch, they were, they're able to find some spark offensively. And you see a little bit of pop when Mitch, whenever Mitch comes in on the offense, whenever Mitch came in. Um, he's able to move his legs. He's making accurate throws. Um, and I'm not saying he's a good quarterback. I'm not saying that he's the quarterback for the future for the Bears. But as of right now, in this moment, with this uh, an offensive line that's been banged up, um, a defense that is underachieved, um, it does give the offense life. And he's able to move his legs. And he's able to capitalize. And I, I really like what Mitch has been able to do. Um, since he came back and since he came back, um, Mitch has been having three, he's been, his touchdown to interception ratio, um, has been, uh, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, and the offense has been averaging around, around 32 a game. They, and they're, and they're playing some fundamentally sound football on the offensive side of the ball. The defense they could have blitzed Cousins a little bit better. Um, they did get after him a good amount, but they still made get got after Cousins enough situationally to make him throw some erratic throws in the end. Um, and that interception by Sherrick McManus in the end zone was huge. This was a big win for the Bears. Um, and to, eat, to be able to keep hope alive in the playoffs, uh, to get into the playoffs is terrific. Um, now... It's going to be a little complicated to see what happens with the with the Arizona Cardinals. They're at home again. The Cardinals are at home against the Niners, then finishing off Week 17 at the Rams. Now on the Bears side, they're at Jacksonville this Sunday. If they play prepared enough, unlike the Rams did with the Jets, which we're going to talk about in a second, then they should win that. And at home, Week 17 against Green Bay. Okay, it depends. Is Green Bay going to be playing for the one seed or not, depending on how they do against the Titans? Um, if they don't, if they already clinched the one seed, they might rest A-Rod and their starters. But if they lost to Tennessee, and if the Saints um, had won against the Minnesota Vikings, um, I think they would have played for something, and it would be a, and it would be a lot tougher for the Bears, obviously. So. I think that it's going to depend on the Cardinals. It's going to depend on what the Rams do in Week 16 against the against the Seahawks. Because if the Rams, let's say, beat the Seahawks, they'll be tied for the division um, in the for first place in their division. They would want to play for something in Week 17. And personally, I think the Rams are that much better than the Cardinals. Um, but if the Rams were to able to lose to the Seahawks. They lose out on a chance to clinch the division spot. They still would make the playoffs, but I mean, they 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 wouldn't be playing for anything, and the Cardinals will easily win and get into the playoffs. So it really is going to depend on what on what on how the Rams approach the Cardinals Week Seventeen, and it depends on how the Cardinals do the rest of the way. Um, they're at home against the Niners. The Niners are banged up, and they're out of the playoffs. I don't see them winning that. Week 17 depends on how the Rams do. If the Rams are going to at least focus with something to play for, for the division lead, then yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would say the Rams would, would would beat the Cardinals. But it really just depends on how they do against the Seahawks. Um, and now on the Bears side of things, Week 16 against Jacksonville Sunday, I, I think that the Bears are going to 
I think the only way they lose to Jacksonville is that they lose to themselves. I mean, if they lose to Jacksonville, it's a in, the most embarrassing loss I've ever witnessed as a Bears fan um, in, in recent years. Probably the second most embarrassing besides losing um, 56-14 against Green Bay in 2014 on a Sunday night game. I think that would this would be the second biggest embarrassment loss. But, I mean, look... It really just does depend on how they approach this game. The only appro- the only way they lose is if they're unprepared. I think they have a good shot of like winning this, of um, dominating this game. Um, Jacksonville's ranked last in every category, so the Bears should kill it on offensively and get after them defensively against Gardner Minshew. Week seventeen, like I said, it depends on how Green Bay approaches it. If they already clinched the one seed and they have nothing to play for, then the Bears sh- then the Bears should just might as well win that game pretty easily when uh, Tim Doyle for the Packers is starting. So, but it really just depends. If they lose to the Titans and the Saints beat the Vikings, then they'll have something to play for and it'll be a lot tougher. So it really just does depend on which team has something to play for and which team doesn't have something to play for. It'll be very interesting. Um, that's for sure, though. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, now, speaking of something to play for and something to not to play for, let's talk about the New York Football Jets, um, who had the upset of the year, seventeen point underdogs at Rams. They won twenty three to twenty. Um, now, there's been a debate going on if that was a good win, if they're happy that we didn't, that we are not the uh, 2008 Lions or the 2017 Cleveland Browns. We finally won a game, thank God. Or we're saying, my heads, I mean, uh, we lost out on the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, a once in a generational talent, amazing at Clemson, probably going to win the Heisman. I mean,. There's a couple of different ways to answer that. On the one hand, from an organizational standpoint, yes, it is a terrible, terrible quote-unquote loss to lose out on Trevor Lawrence. I mean that 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 you and the fact that they were a, I thought the fact they were able to win that game and lose out on number one pick that's a, that does hurt the organization because you never know what you're gonna you're when you're gonna get a guy like Trevor Lawrence and the Jets. We're so great at tanking. I mean, they purposefully tanked against the Raiders when when Greg Williams sent all their front seven up to blitz Derek Carr, and Derek Carr threw that lob in the end zone to Rugs. I mean, I mean, look, I, that that I thought that that was tanking. They did their job to get Trevor Lawrence, but in this case, they showed up. Apparently, and the Rams just didn't want to play that game. They were just looking ahead to the Seahawks. I mean, it was. It was an embarrassing win because from an organizational standpoint, when you lose out on Trevor Lawrence, I mean, it, it, it hurts. I mean, Justin Fields is good, but I don't, I, think, I don't think he's better than Trevor Lawrence. And, I mean, it does hurt uh, moving forward um, for missing out on a guy like him. And, I mean, the, and the organization, they want a, a name to make the Jets relevant again. A great, a great player in a big market like New York City, that would have been perfect for the Jets. It would have. But, unfortunately, the Rams didn't lose to the Jets. The Rams lost themselves. And the Jets so happened to approach that game from a player's perspective like it was their Super Bowl. 
I mean, look, the, the, the Jets, as players, they didn't want to end up like the Browns or the Lions, 0-16 teams. They wanted their career. They didn't want to be a part. They didn't want to end their career saying, I was on an 0-16 team to their kids or anybody else that wants to know who they played for and if they won a Super Bowl and what their record was and so on. So I think from a player's perspective, screw the organization here, from a player's perspective, I think that was, the, I think from a player, I think that was a great win. Beating of the LA Rams, who I thought was a Super Bowl contender, and the fact that they were able to still win that game under those circumstances against a much better team, that was impressive. Um, they ran the ball very well. Frank Gore did, had a very nice game. Um, Darnold played well. And the defense um, forced Jared Goff into bad decisions. I mean, from a player's perspective, from a player, screw the organization, screw the draft pick. They want to win every game possible. I'm happy. I'm happy that I at least won one game this year. But if you're talking about from an organizational perspective, ownership, GMs, you name it. Oh, God, we could have had Trevor Lawrence. And both the Jets and the Jaguars are both 1-13. and I mean... The Jaguars played by Bears Sunday. I mean, they're going to lose that one. So they'll still be the number one. They're still going to be it, it, the lock for the number one. And the Jets, let's see. I can't believe I'm talking about two bad teams right now. Um, the Jets, I mean, they're at home against Cleveland. Okay, if Cleveland at least approaches that game differently than the Rams, they should win that uh, against the Jets. And then at New England, okay, New England might be resting Cam because they have nothing to play for. And, I mean, the New England Patriots are, are, are have missed the playoffs for the first time since 2008. They don't really care. I think that game's a toss-up, in my opinion. So, I mean, when I really think about it, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, the Jaguars should hold on to the number one pick. I mean, they're at home against the Bears, then at Colts. I mean, they're going to lose those two games. So, I think it look it's looking likely that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to hold on to the number one pick. Um, but if I'm a Jets fan, I'd be very disappointed, obviously, because they never fail to disappoint. I mean, you could I mean, a quote win is considered a loss. That's not something you want to say as a Jets fan. So let's talk about a guy who's faced a lot of scrutiny from last year. A guy that says, oh my God, he has more progressive commercials than he does wins. A guy that's proven all naysayers wrong. A guy that said, okay, maybe Case Keenum should start. Baker Mayfield has silenced the doubters. He had, according to Pro Football Focus, Baker Mayfield has been has graded Baker as the fourth as the th- fourth best QB during this this the eight week time frame, which is a pretty good chunk behind Mahomes, um, A Rod, um, sorry behind Mahomes, Watson, and Deshaun. I'm oh, sorry, Mahomes, A Rod, and Deshaun Watson. I mean, Baker has been incredible. What Baker Mayfield has done this year, I mean, I'm not I'm knocking on wood for Odell, but Baker Mayfield clearly is much better without Odell. I mean, the numbers say that he has a better completion percentage, better touchdown-interception ratio. He can focus on other guys to other guys like Higgins and Peoples-Jones 
guys that he trusts to make those players around him better. And now he can hit it. Now he has Jarvis Landry just as number one receiver. And Jarvis has been playing great recently. Um, and Baker Mayfield last night against the number 10 ranked defense, the New York Giants. Uh, Baker Mayfield was dealing in the first in the in the game, twenty seven of thirty two, two ninety seven, two touchdowns. He was terrific. Baker Mayfield was great. Um, and, and I've never and this accuracy that Baker's had has been incredible. It's better. It's much better than I expected. We got to give Baker Mayfield some credit. I mean. You can't just label him a bust because from last based off his bad perform, performances last year and his bad start to the year this year and how he's been mostly as a game manager. We have to take into account Baker Mayfield has 25 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. I mean, I think he should make a Pro Bowl appearance um, for the AFC. I think Mahomes, Watson, and number three right behind him, I think maybe would be Josh Allen. The number four, I would say, is between Baker, Tannehill, and Lamar. I think Baker should squeeze in for the number four spot. Baker Mayfield's been terrific. 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions on the year. And since Odell got hurt, he's thrown for 15 touchdowns to two interceptions. He's been terrific. Baker Mayfield has been great this since Odell got hurt. I'm not knocking – I'm not – I'm not. I'm knocking on wood for Odell. I, I hope he gets back healthy. I hate to see a guy like him get injured like that. I mean, because he provides a lot, a huge aura, a huge mystique around an organization. And I know Baker idolized Odell, but the pressure got to Baker so much that he was able that he now that Odell was hurt, unfortunately, but in his case, he was able to feed off everyone else. Um, with Jarvis and Peoples-Jones and Higgins and Njoku and Austin Hooper. Baker's been terrific. And, I mean, personally, if the defense didn't let up that big um, throw, big um, those, those big plays to Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Cleveland Browns, they might be 11-3 and right now. It's opposed to 10-4, and and they might be competing for the, um, for the AFC North title. I mean, it's honestly amazing what Baker's been able to do this year. Um, my hat's off to Baker Mayfield um, and the Cleveland Browns beating a New York Giants team that's better than what people think. They got better defensively. Um, but, I mean, look, the, the, the Cleveland Browns are for real, um, and we'll see how they do moving forward. Now, speak. Um, Baker Mayfield went to Oklahoma. Now let's talk about two other Oklahoma quarterbacks. Uh, Jalen Hurts versus Kyler Murray. Yesterday, uh, it, um, the Cardinals beat the Eagles 33-26, but both these quarterbacks put on a show yesterday. Jalen Hurts, um, 24-44, three touchdowns, uh, ran for one touchdown. Kyler was wheeling and dealing, threw for 406 yards, three touchdowns, did have that one bad throw in the end zone, did have the interception. Um, and Kyler ran for one more. This was an incredible, this was a terrific performance from both these quarterbacks. We'll start with the winning quarterback. We'll start with Kyler Murray, who for a while this year was a borderline MVP candidate. Um, obviously, the Cardinals have underachieved and have lost some, and are not that great of a team, but Kyler Murray 
is a top, is top three among quarterbacks in rushing yards, and already has thrown nearly um, is is thrown three thousand six hundred thirty seven yards, twenty six touchdowns, eleven interceptions. Um, Kyler was great yesterday. Um, 27 to 36, 406. He was terrific. He threw the ball better than what I had expected him to. I mean, there were some games where he would throw barely above 50% this year. Um, he did make some, a couple erratic decisions by throwing the, by, um, by throwing the, a couple erratic throws. One of them being that throw in the end zone, uh, to one of the safeties. But Kyler Murray was terrific. He was accurate. He was poised. He made a an incredible over the throw ball to D Hop, and D Hop made incredible catch over that safety. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that if you're the safety of the Eagles. Uh, I mean, that was an incredible, incredible catch that D Hop had, and Fitzgerald um, made some nice catches too. Made a nice catch too. He did have a touchdown, and it was great that that uh, D that. Uh, that Kyler was able to find Fitz in the end zone. I mean, Fitz hasn't had a touchdown all year up until um, up until um, up until uh, last week. So it, it was great um, to see Kyler throw it in the end zone to um, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, now on the other side, Jalen Hurts. I mean, I don't know why Doug Peterson every single week has to say, um, I th- "I'm going to make my we're going to evaluate who the starter is." No, you start Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is 100% better than Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz was in that game yesterday, Carson Wentz, I guarantee you, would throw, what was it? Carson Wentz would throw three picks, uh, get sacked five times, and at least two forced fumbles. uh, Jalen Hurts was incredible, man. Jalen Hurts... The accuracy, the velocity, the his able he's the able to run the ball for a quarterback. Um, he was getting trapped, and he still found his way into the end zone. That that was terrific, and he made some amazing deep throws. Um, he, he that throw to Greg Ward Jr. was terrific. Um, uh, and that um, and he ran for one, and then. He had two to Greg Ward Jr., which were great, and to that Watkins guy. That's great screen pass to to Watkins for for a um, a thirty two yard touchdown. That was terrific. Jalen Hurts, as a rookie, considering what he was under, um, going up against a much improved defense in the Arizona Cardinals, down sixteen to nothing. The defense did have some turnovers, but did let up big plays for Kyler, and you still. Had chance still put your team in that position with a banged up offensive line, um, a defense that led up big yardage to the Cardinals, and you still kept this team in the game. As great as Kyler was, I think Jalen Hurts was was even better based off of the the um, the degree of difficulty that Jalen Hurts was under. Um, a banged up offensive line, um, a coach that clearly is playing for his job. Um, other tight ends like Zach Ertz and Do- and other players like Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard that have openly said, we don't know if he's our guy. We love Carson Wentz and an offensive line that said, we love Carson Wentz. And he was able to do all that against a very a much improved Arizona Cardinals defense who 
terrored Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy last week. Man, Jalen Hurts is something special. He was terrific last week, um, this week against the, the Cardinals. He was terrific. Um, he threw his accuracy, is able to move in and out of the pocket. He's sensational, and there's no debate. He is much better than Carson Wentz moving forward. I think it's over for Carson Wentz in Philly. Jalen Hurts should be the starter moving forward um, for the for the Eagles. He, he was great. He was terrific. Um, now, speaking of the Eagles, let's get into the uh, the NFC least, as I would like to call the NFC least. So, Dallas won against the the 49ers uh, yesterday. Uh, which was a very nice win. They did have four turnovers. They did a lot. They did let up big yardage to the 49ers, but they still had four turnovers. The Seahawks beat the fo- the football team uh, yesterday, and the Browns beat the Giants. And the Eagles obviously lost to the Cardinals. So if you look at the NFC East standings, I'm just pulling it up right now. Uh, there's not going to be uh, a winning team in this division. The highest that a team could finish is 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, As of right now, I'm looking at the standings. The football team's obviously in first. The Cowboys and Giants are tied for second. Dallas is um, ahead because of the tiebreaker, the head-to-head matchups. And the Eagles are last at 4-9-1. and one. In my opinion, oh my God, I can't. it's hard to pick who's going to win this division, but... Pending on Alex Smith's injury status, his calf. As of right now, it's Washington. It's Washington's to win or lose. In this case, it's in the balls in Washington's court. Um, uh, look, yes, their, their their defense has been great. They're a top four to five defense in the league, um, and they held the Seahawks' offense to zero points in the fourth quarter. Um, but Dwayne Haskins as the quarterback of this team, I just don't think he's the right. He's not a good fit at all. I mean, he threw the ball 55 times, and he threw under 300 yards. He threw 295 and one touchdown, two interceptions. That was pretty pathetic. Um, their run game is decent with uh, McKissick and, and Barber. Um, they do have a somewhat of a nice receiving core. They have a good receiving core with Terry McLaurin and Lance Thomas. And and Sims, I'm sorry, not Sims, and um, and um, and Wright and Sims, but in the end, it really just depends on how Alex Smith's health is. I mean, if he was playing against the Seahawks last week, I might have given him a chance, yes, but I don't know how he's going to play. Th- if he's going to play this week against the Panthers, I will see how that goes. Um, the football team is at home against the pa- against the Panthers, the team that fired Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera clearly wants some revenge um, after getting fired, um, and Ron Rivera is definitely going to get his team ready to play for that one. And if they win, they basically and if the Giants lose Sunday to the Ravens, that and the Cowboys, uh, if the Giants lose Sunday to the Ravens, the football team wins the division. Um, the Giants have the tiebreaker over the football team, um, and the football team has the tiebreaker over Dallas. Um, if Dallas wins Sunday against the Eagles, I mean, and if the football team loses, then Dallas will have a chance to win in Week 17 against at Giants, and then the football team is going to have to beat the Eagles against Jalen Hurts. 
So it's very interesting what's going to happen. I mean, Dallas is improved. They won two in a row. I mean, they have a they have a good shot of beating Jalen Hurts and the Eagles Sunday. Um, Andy Dalton's played very well. Um, but in the end, I think it's if Alex Smith is healthy enough against the Panthers, I mean I mean, look, they they, they will I think I think the football team will hang on. Um I I we'll see what happens um moving forward for next Sunday. Um now the Panthers they did almost have an upset against Green Bay. I mean, they did hold the Packers to three points in the second half, and they held Aaron Rodgers to 145 yards passing, and they do provide some pressure, so who knows? I mean, it's really anyone's division. Um, even the Eagles are not totally out of it. Um, it. So we'll see what happens moving forward. This NFC East, I can't tell who's going to win, who's out. It's it, it's it's really a flip em, a pick em in this NFCs. It is crazy. Totally crazy. Now, let's talk about uh, the Mahomes versus Rodgers chase. So Mahomes yesterday um, against the New Orleans Saints, against a top-rated defense, um, Mahomes did... First of all, the Saints played as good of a defense as they could on the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they, I mean, they, they were after, um, Ty, they held Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he did have a touchdown, but to only six catches, 53 yards. They held Nicole Hardman to three catches, 22 yards. If not for that amazing throw that Mahomes did, made to Hardman. Um, they did as well as they could and they got after Mahomes. They, they sacked him. They forced a turnover on him. They played as well as they could on him. Mahomes is just the best quarterback in the game. He still threw for 254 yards and still had three touchdowns. I mean, he, he's sensational. He's absolutely terrific. Um, and, and the def and look, sometimes the, the offensive lineman, even though Eric Fisher let up that big sacks to, um, to uh, Davenport and Jordan. I mean, there's nothing you could do. I mean, the Saints are a good pass rushing team. And the fact that the, that Mahomes was able to put up 32 points against the Saints team is incredible. It's It shows how great Patrick Mahomes is. And I don't see a team being the Chiefs in the AFC. Maybe Buffalo. I might give them a chance. But in the end, I mean, no one's going to beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. So um, Mahomes... I think has further edged his way um, as the front runner in the MVP race. Um, he did his job, and I'm going to talk more about this game um, before I get on to Aaron Rodgers. On the other hand, Drew Brees, I felt like yeah, he he was very rusty. I mean, he threw under fifty percent. What was it? He threw fifteen out of thirty four. That's forty four percent. He clearly was rusty yesterday. Um, he clearly wasn't himself. Um, I mean, and and I personally felt like I don't. I wouldn't say that Taysom Hill. I think maybe he could have gotten a lot more playing time. He could have gotten more offensive package situations. Maybe I was wrong about that. Maybe I felt like it was. I feel like it was. It was just Taysom Hill. I think maybe with that system, with that they were running, I think maybe they they probably should have won that game if Taysom Hill was starting. Drew Brees just clearly was very passive. He was very hesitant on where to throw it to, where not to throw it to. Um he was very inconsistent by throwing the the deep ball and the pass the accuracy. I mean personally, it was it was 
very much a rushed start for Drew Brees. And I thought it was a little bit of a mistake. Um, I think he'll get better. I think he'll get more reps going into the postseason. Um, the Chiefs, luckily, if Drew Brees didn't get those um, 11 broken ribs and those um, and that collapsed lung, if it was a healthy enough Drew Brees and a consistent Drew Brees, I think the Saints would have won. But unfortunately, um, it was too late. Um, and and um, and Brees made some very inconsistent throws. So, I mean, kudos to Mahomes. He did his job, did what he had to do. He was terrific. Now, on the other hand, the other MV person, the MVP race between uh, with Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes on the Aaron Rodgers side of things, I mean, it was it was kind of a pathetic performance. I'm not going to – people are going to think I'm saying this because I'm a Green Bay Packers hater and I'm a loyal, diehard Chicago Bears fan. I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers from what I saw. He threw 20 of 29. Yes, that's decent. But only threw 143 yards, and it was pathetic. I mean, he was terrible against the 21st-ranked Carolina defense. And he was only to throw 143 yards. That was pathetic. It was terrible. Um, give Carolina credit. They did keep dominate the time of possession in the second half. They did give themselves a chance to tie at least go tie the game in the end. Um, they got after Aaron Rodgers, but uh, give give Green, but um, you know, give Carolina credit for keeping into the game. Um, the defense for Green Bay was good. But on the offensive side, Aaron Rodgers was bad. It was bad. It, he can't... I don't think he could be league MVP and throw 143 yards against a 21st-ranked defense. I mean, that was pathetic. And on the other side of things, like, Devontae Adams didn't have a great game. Seven catches, 42 yards. I mean, Alan Lazard was okay, but... I mean, it, it was kind of... An, it was kind of an embarrassing performance from Aaron Rodgers... Um, I think that it's going to depend on how the um, on how these two teams do. I think if Mahomes and the Chiefs were to clinch uh, the number one seed uh, next week um, against the um, – let me just look at the schedule. The Chiefs play home to the – the Chiefs place, face the um, Falcons Sunday and the Packers are at home against the Titans. I think that if the Packers were to lose to the Titans and the Falcons were to the Chiefs were to beat the Falcons easily, I think there's a clear cut who the MVP is. It's Patrick Mahomes. As Aaron Rodgers may have better statistics, but Patrick Mahomes, I think, is a is been as just for the record standpoint and based off the degree of difficulty, I think Patrick Mahomes is clearly the MVP in this case over Aaron Rodgers. Now on the other hand, my my final segment before I wrap the first hour up, let's talk about uh, the the goat, Tom Brady yesterday, who led a twenty four seven comeback against the Atlanta Falcons, um, and won thirty one twenty seven. Tom Brady threw for three hundred twenty yards in the second half. Um, now people are going to jump on, were jumped on my timeline yesterday and said, Oh, Matty G, you were wrong about Tom Brady. He's not washed. I mean, look, the Atlanta Falcons are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. 
one of the worst teams in the league. This is the same Atlanta Falcons team that led up a 19-point lead to Dallas, a 16-point lead to my Bears, and and a, t- and a 12-point lead to the Lions. And, and no, I wasn't surprised that the Bucks were able to win that game. No, I'm not. Ju- I'm not going to admit I was wrong about Tom Brady. No, I'm not. Because Tom Brady created this monster. He only threw for 60 yards in the first half. That was pathetic. He brought him back. I give them credit. I give him credit. He had a great second half. But let's not like give him all the credit. The defense played better, forcing Matt Ryan to make erratic decisions with the football. I mean, uh, he has a very explosive weapons with him um with with AB Gronk, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. And Scotty Miller, he has the weapons offensively because, I mean, look, he would not be able to succeed again another year with New England because he can't carry a team anymore. So he has these weapons, and he's going up against one of the worst teams in the league. So, yeah, I expected him to win, and they were six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Falcons. They should have won that game. What am I supposed to do? Throw him flowers? I'm not giving Tom Brady flowers for that. Yeah, I give him credit for winning, but look who the degree of difficulty was. Look at Mahomes' degree of difficulty. It was a pathetic first half for Tom. He was great in the second half, but let's not just give Tom all the credit. Let's not say, oh, he's having control now. He has great weapons, and he went up against a team that's the biggest, that's in my, that I once called on this podcast. The L.A. Clippers of the NFL. A team that's very talented, but chokes big leads. That's who the Atlanta Falcons are. And the Tom, and they were the same Atlanta Falcons team that choked that 28-3 lead against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So no, I'm not, and they were without Julio Jones. So no, I'm not going to give Tom Brady roses for that performance. I mean, I give him credit for executing. He won the game. I'm not going to to banish to bash a person for winning a game against a weak competition, but it was how he was in that position, you see? He created the monster in the first half. He did slay it in the second half. But let's not give him credit that the monster immediately just attacked the um the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady created it. He for- he forced uh, the ball too much. He only threw 60 yards in the first half. I mean, he beat the, the biggest choking team in the league. I'm not going to throw him roses for that. I mean, and the defense was good for the for the Bucks in the second half. I give them credit. But Matt Ryan, he made some pretty poor decisions throwing the football. The running game, Todd Gurley, clearly is not the same player he once was with the Rams. Uh, Calvin Ridley for the Falcons and Gage are good receivers, but they're no Julio so I mean, look, it was it was a good win for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, but I'm not gonna give Tom Brady 100 percent of the credit. I give him 50 percent. He played a great second half, but let's not discount the fact that he put that team in the position. If this was against the Chiefs again, the the Bucks wouldn't have come back against the Chiefs. So I give Tom credit. Um, I, I I give him I give him a, a B minus because he did play great in the second half. But he did put his team in the position to be down 17 nothing in the first in the first half. So coming up next in the second hour, 
we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk to my friend David Rudin. Um, he has his Twitter page called Metaphorical Bat Flip. Talks all Chicago sports, and he's a huge music fan. Knows every rock group from every decade ever. And we're gonna talk about Chicago sports, um, classic rock, and we're gonna talk about music and movies uh, with David Rudin coming up next uh, in the second hour of the Off the Dome podcast. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Off the Dome podcast. Thank you for listening to Hour One. Um, so I have a special guest for Hour Two, uh, my friend from school, um, a former student of my mom with college essays. My mom tutors a lot of people with college essays, a lot of my friends, and he happened to just be one of them. And we suddenly met in University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, my prestigious alma mater, um, and David's prestigious alma mater, um, one of my good friends. Um, a big rock music guy, big Chicago sports guy, David Rudin. Dave, it's an honor. Thanks for having me, Matt. What a wonderful introdu- introduction, and I'm honored to be here. <laughs> well, I thank you. I, I don't know if that was that great, but it, but as long as you complimented it and if, I, if you gave it okay, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so go. I got to ask you this. Every week, Dave, whenever we talk about the Bears – it's usually, it's usually, you, you said to me two weeks ago, I think the loss was good, losing to the Lions to wake up the organization. But now I was saying in my head, okay, let's see how we do against the Texans. We blew out the Texans 36-7. Let's see, okay, we beat the Vikings. We still have a shot into the playoffs. We lose it. Okay, I'm with you on the draft pick. But we beat the Vikings. We beat the Texans. And now we're only a game back behind the wild card spot in the... Um, in the uh, to get into the playoffs. So, what, from your opinion, do you think this is the right move to play for the wild card spot? Um, and were you, would you say you were wrong about just playing for the future, or do you think this is the right move to get into the playoffs? Well, I mean, short answer, absolutely not. Because uh, if you look at it like this, honestly, here's how I look at it: um, the, the Lions' loss was poetic in so many different ways it was you know just a poetic of the past three and a half years of just absolute depression in terms of these games um but we ended up beating the texans which was kind of surprising i expected watson to kind of have a revenge game i expected that too Um, yeah and then the vikings yesterday i mean the offense looks better there's no way around it um but Kind of what seems to be trending in this direction. I know we talked about it uh, yesterday, but uh, the Bears are kind of on this path right now to where the Jaguars' victory next week seems quite probable. And then Week 17 versus the Packers, it's very likely that they have nothing to play for. So the Bears could project out to 9-7, and seven, um, but the Cardinals also have an easy week next week, and potentially the Rams have nothing to play for. So it could end in such a poetic way in the sense that they could win these next four games in a row and not make the playoffs and give you enough hope to bring Mitch back next year, to bring Nagy back next year, to bring Pace back next year, just from beating these crapshoot of teams uh, i guess the vikings one was a pretty good win they're they're not uh, i wouldn't say they're a crapshoot team they have a crapshoot 
defense, but they're banked up with their secondary. But their offense, yeah. they're the number six ranked total offense in the league. They have a top two running back in the league. And Kirk Cousins has been very improved. So, And Justin Jefferson broke Randy Moss's rookie record. So I wouldn't say they're a bad team. They just have a bad yeah, defense. Yeah, no, they're not a bad team at all. But you saw their offense just absolutely rolled through the Bears yesterday. It was, I right. think they had like 400-plus yards. And the defense had Eric Hendricks out. So, I mean, it was a good win. I'm not going around that. The, the point I'm trying to make is, is the Bears have a very good shot of missing the playoffs and being 9-7 and seven and getting a worse draft pick. And all this stuff wouldn't matter of, this, of these past couple of weeks. Um if they don't make the playoffs. That being said, you know, I am an optimistic fan and I like seeing my teams win and it would be definitely, I know you are as well. Um, but it would be definitely cool to see them, um, make the playoffs. And I think that they actually match up best against the saints, which would probably be their, um, matchup. But, um, no, it's, there's, It'll be an interesting next couple of weeks, and it could lean a couple of different ways, but it would be fun to make the playoffs at this point just because, I mean, if they don't and they win these next two, either way, it looks like not much is going to change. So, I was texting this with you about this yesterday, and so we, we were, you, said, you said something about teams not wanting to play for anything, but in my opinion, I thought about this. Okay, Say that the, um, let's say the Cardinals... Um, say it really just depends on the Rams and the Seahawks next week, right? Say if the Rams beat the Seahawks, then they're going to be tied with the Seahawks for first place in the NFC West division. And then the Ram, the Rams would have something to play for against the Cardinals. And the Rams are a way better team than the Arizona Cardinals by far. So it, I really think they have a good shot of beating the Cardinals at home. Um, and on the other hand, if you think about it, if the Rams lose th- to the Seahawks, I mean, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs regardless. They're going to have nothing to play for. They might as well uh, be- rest their starters. So yeah, they 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 they'll 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 just take Week 17 as an L, and Arizona will get in. I think it kind of has to do with how the Rams and the Seahawks play each other in Week 17. And on the Bears side of things, yes, they'll they'll beat the Jaguars. The only way they can lose to the Jaguars is if they lose to themselves. You know, kind of like how the Rams lost to the Jets yesterday. They didn't lose to the Jets. They lost to themselves. So it really just does depend. As far as Week 17 goes against the Packers, I mean, it really just depends how the Packers. I mean, if the Saints beat the Vikings Friday, they should win that. If the Packers lose to the Titans, they'll have something to play for. But if the Packers beat the Titans, they'll rest their starters. So it really just does depend on which teams have something to play for and which teams don't have something to play for. Yeah, no, I I agree. It's definitely kind of out of the Bears' hands at this point, which is kind of disappointing because the Eagles really had a good shot to knock off the Cardinals yesterday, which would have been uh, a really good thing for the Bears. But like I said, I mean, there are a lot of things that can unfold in the next couple of weeks, and I think um, what it projects to is being disappointed. But if we if we do end up making the playoffs, I'm obviously going to root for the Bears. I'm You know, you want your team to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if, if Mitch is playing well enough these next two weeks, you know, I, I'm a Mitch fan and I want him to do well. I also am a believer that it, the fact that it took – the coaching staff three years to decide that the offense was better slowed down and and getting the ball out of his hands and moving is, 
is kind of speaks volumes of, of why this needs to change quickly. But, um, you, you know, it'll be an interesting next couple of weeks. I think that they'll roll through the Jags next week, especially now that the Jags have the, the one position and they'll definitely want to be tanking. But um, <laughs> hopefully they beat the Packers and that'll be fun. But um, I guess it all doesn't matter unless they make the playoffs. So we'll see. Right. Now, switching gears, let's talk about uh, the Bulls. Um, sure. First, um, they have a good draft pick in Patrick Williams for what we saw at the preseason. Um, he looks pretty good. And um, I really like their roster, and I really am a big fan of Billy Donovan as a head coach. So, in your opinion, what are your expectations for this Bulls team this year? And how? And which, and which players do you think will take the next steps Um towards development, whether it's Zach Levine or Kobe White or Wendell. What, what are your – basically to sum this up, what are your expectations for the Bulls this year? Yeah, I mean, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is better than last year, which is obviously not that hard to achieve because they were horrible. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think Billy Donovan is the perfect coach for this situation, a defensive mind coach first. And – also someone who likes to spread the floor and move quickly. Um, Expectations-wise, you know, they are a strong starting five. Um, beyond that starting five, if, uh, if someone goes down with an injury, uh, the team gets pretty rough thereafter. So, I mean, if they stay healthy, uh, you could project a, an eight seed, maybe a seven seed if everything plays right, which would be exciting. Um, an injury away from a lottery pick, but, um, in regards to the starting lineup, I think Kobe White takes a a big next step. I think he is a really, really good player. And if he could get better, um, holding onto the ball and not giving away the ball so easily and getting a little bit better at defense, he's going to be a a really good player. Uh, Levine is, gets an, an enormous amount of hate for absolutely no reason. He's a, He's a below-average defender, but he's young and he's been coached by terrible coaches. So uh, already in the preseason, he looks better defensively. Um, he could be an all-star. Uh, Pewell is 19 and looks somewhat polished already. If he takes a a, a little bit of a step forward, it's, it's a great addition. Um, Markinen and Carter on the back end concern me. Um, you know, Lori looks like a different player and not in a, in a good way. And hopefully Donovan could get his hands on him and, and make him a little bit better, but a um, little worried about Lori and, and Wendell, you know, I, I think I'll get a little bit of hate for this, but uh, I don't love him as a player and I don't love his fit on the team. He kind of plays as a small center. And I, I agree with you on that. I agree. Rebound the ball that well. And, and, play great defense I know that what that's what they got him for and maybe that could change but um and if I see him take one more three I'm gonna absolutely lose it he's (laughs) the worst three-point shooter I've ever seen and he needs to you know work in the middle of the court but um you know it could be exciting at the very least they'll be fun to watch um and you know I, I look forward to the season and I look forward to Wednesday and I think that they have potential opportunity to make the playoffs, which is more to say than the past couple of years. Yeah, I, I personally felt Jim Boylan was the biggest clown of a head coach ever. I mean, there was one game I saw where it was like 30 seconds left. He called a timeout 
to draw up a three and just from something they worked on in practice. And Zach Levine said, I mean, look, the game is over. I mean, Jim Boylan basically ran that team into the ground. He got outcoached in every game possible. Billy Donovan, I think, is a very good head coach. I mean, he was he was one win away from going to the NBA Finals his first year with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, they were up 3-1 over the 73-win Warriors. Um, and yes, they did get bounced in the first round ever since then. But I personally have never been the biggest Russell Westbrook fan. I think that Billy Donovan is going to provide some good veteran leadership experience. I think that he's going to get the best out of the team defensively. I think that he's also going to work a little bit, uh, do a better job of spacing the ball with this team. Um, and I do think Kobe's going to take the next step. I agree with you. I think Billy Dom is the right coach. Now, as far as the Eastern Conference goes, the East is very tough, Dave. I mean, the Nets with Kyrie and Katie are great. Um, you have the Sixers. They look great as well with Embiid, Simmons, and they have great veteran leadership with shooters with Steph Curry, no, Steph, Seth Curry, Seth Curry, Danny Green, um, and Dwight Howard, um, who I was, who I, um, think is a great fit for them. Um, now if you look at it, the other teams like Boston, dark horse in the East every year, two wins away from the finals, the Eastern Conference champion Miami Heat, some people said it was a fluke, but personally I think they have a really talented roster and you can't doubt Pat Riley or Eric Spolstra. The Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks are are going to be a very good team, Dave. I mean, John Collins, Clint Capella, uh, to go along with Trey Young and Bogdanovich, that's a very good team. Uh, and the Raptors, you can't never count out the Raptors either. So, I mean, look, there's a bunch of teams in the East and the Pacers. There's a bunch of teams in the East that I think um, that's really tough to do with. And the Bucks and the um, with Giannis, you can he's going to make it very far in the postseason. And the Pacers and the Wizards, it's very tough. I think that maybe that it's a very tough conference. The East is better. I think the Bulls will get better um, going forward. It's tough to make the playoffs in the East. It's not necessarily that they will be bad again like last year. I think they'll be a lot better. It's just tough because of the of um, how loaded the Eastern Conference is. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I want to reiterate kind of uh, my stance is that there's really – no shot of them doing anything this year. Um, but uh, kind of the issue with uh, the Bulls over the past, you know, decade or so, uh, a little less than that, is um, when they make the playoffs or lack thereof, and kind of you see in the NBA, players typically want to go to teams that are on the fringe of, of being a serious contender. And a lot of those max guys like to go and be that kind of deciding force on on those teams and the Bulls were just nowhere near that the past couple of seasons. So you could get in as an eight or seven, or even uh, be that nine seed that just misses. Um, You could start luring in, you know, better free agents and they're going to have two uh, max slots uh, on this upcoming off season. And I know there's really no one available, but um, it's important just to, to change the culture a little bit. And the last four years there has, has been no culture. So, uh, winning definitely helps that, and I, I, I look forward to this year, and I think it's going to be, uh, again, at the very least, exciting. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it, they'll be a lot better and taking a good next step. Um, I think they're two, one to two years away from getting back to that contending level, but I think 
maybe this year they'll make the playoffs, but if not, it'll it'll be tough. I think they'll put up a decent fight in the first round, but get bounced. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, now let's talk, uh, my final sports segment with you before I talk into other topics with you. Let's talk about um, your beloved Chicago White Sox. Um, obviously, they put up a great fight. Abreu was absolutely incredible last year. Um, and the Sox have the team needed to probably make a run at the World Series next year. Um, the hiring, um, I hate to bring this up with you, but the hiring did cause a bit of controversy. Um, yeah. but, but Tony LaRussa is, is going to be the head coach of a supremely talented roster. So what are your expectations for the White Sox this year? And do you think with this old experience vet hiring – they could get over the edge and potentially make it to at least the AL pennant. Um, short answer: Yes, of course. They they have probably uh, next to the Dodgers um, and maybe the Astros if Brantley comes back. The most talented offensive lineup uh, in the MLB. Um, you know, it, 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 you could expect some regression from guys like Abreu or Anderson who just put up absolutely absurd numbers last year. But um, there is no doubt in my mind they're one of the best offensive teams in the MLB. And basically, so far in the offseason, uh, their pitching issue of, of a third pitcher, um, they got one of the best in the game in Lance Lynn. He's incredibly dependable and Cy Young candidate the past two years, and that's very exciting. Um, you gave up Dane Dunning, but it's not really comparable in terms of who's ready these next couple of years. And, uh, you know, Nomar Mazar was their right fielder last year, and anyone who watched the games knows how atrocious he is. And Adam Eaton definitely ruffles some feathers in the clubhouse, and, and that signing is a little questionable, but um, I'm pretty convinced that he's going to be better than Mazzara. Um And then regarding Tony Larusa, he's kind of like the elephant in the room with everything. Um, I was disappointed. Um, you know, I really, the optics of the hire is, is very, very tough. He's, you know, not really a great guy in terms of, you know, what he's done the past couple of years and, um, things he said, um, whether you agree or not with it, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's a, there's a place for it in sports and a place out of it. And, um, you know, he's going to be the manager and he's, on the contrary of that, he's a Hall of Fame manager and one of the only Hall of Fame managers or players ever to come out of the Hall of Fame and coach, um, which is pretty outstanding. Um, and, you know, he's better than Rick Lenzer. I'm getting some feedback on the mic. Um, he's much better than Rick Renzeria. And uh, it, it's a, it's a, you know, they're going to be better and they're going to compete for a World Series, which is exciting. Um but I have, the expectations are incredibly high, and it's the expectations are a World Series or bust um, for them this year. Um, so I think Bleacher Report had them as number two in the power rankings after the Lynn signing. So um, World Series or bust. Wow, World Series or bust. Um, do you think that Ricky Renteria being fired was the right move? Yes, I think that any White Sox fan who watched a game over the past couple of years knows how poorly he managed the bullpen and that game three against Oakland was incredibly winnable. Um, and it was just horrendous, um, management and, uh, you know, Ricky's a good coach and he's a good guy from what I hear. And, um, 
you know, similar to the Cubs, he brought them all the way to the point where, like, they were ready to win a World Series, and then they fired him for Joe Madden. And you can make a lot of parallels to, to the Madden and LaRusa hiring. Um, both are incredibly established and, and know, knows what it takes to win a World Series or get to a World Series. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good hiring just from the fact that it's better than what they had, and they're already an improved team, and I expect them to make another um, addition in the offseason. I think Liam Hendricks, um, who's one of the best closers in the MLB, has a good shot of, of being on the team at the start of next year. So, so look out for that in the next uh, couple of weeks. Now let's shift gears. Let's talk about music. Obviously, you're on. I see on your Insta stories, you don't really post that much unless it's unless it's like music related. Right. Um. So you're a bit. So tell us a bit about your your music aficionado. I'm aficionado. Tell us about your favorite rock groups from each decade and your favorite albums and songs. I know it's a a loaded question, but try your yeah. best to articulate. What were your some of your favorite rock albums or, or rock groups, etc.? Yeah, um, just to like talk, touch on your first point is you know I've always been into music and I've kind of um, when I was my dad plays guitar and when I was little you know I, I wouldn't really listen to like modern music to a certain extent I I like older music and I played guitar and um, you know just to go through the decades of what I'm interested in because I. You know, I feel like you should be telling me because if you don't know, Matthew behind him has a violin. No, I, 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 I'm in a guest room. I, 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 I'm in a guest room. My, my, I usually do my podcast in the basement, but my dad's busy working, so this is the best place go. to do it. I, I know. Okay, I'm, yeah. So basically, um, just to run through it, um, '60s. Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel are probably my two favorite. Um, just, I would say the Beatles are probably my favorite band of all time, just because uh, every song is a hit and every album is a classic. So, um, 70s, Pink Floyd, Grateful Dead, Queen. Uh, Grateful Dead could kind of be put into multiple eras, but I just threw them in there. Uh, 80s, uh, Jackson Brown, who wrote a lot of songs for the Eagles, um, and Metallica. So kind of very different from Simon and Garfunkel or the Beatles, but uh, I really like Metallica. Um, 90s, Nirvana and Pearl Jam, which are obviously the, the two biggest staples in the 90s. And then 2000s were kind of hard just because I, I don't, um, uh, you know, like Foo Fighters is up there. They're, they're 90s a little bit too, but I, I really like Jack Johnson and Radiohead. Um, so that's kind of the, the vibe that I'm into, it's, it's very eclectic in the sense that I like a lot of different styles of, of music, but, um, yeah, that's kind of how I've gotten into guitar and, and kind of going forward. And these are kind of the songs in the, in the groups that I like to learn and, and read about and stuff like that. And, uh, if you haven't heard any of those bands or songs or, or, uh, um, solo artists that I just listed, it's, it's, uh, it's a it's a different vibe than what a lot of people are used to, but it I, you know if you listen to it a couple of times you might enjoy it. Um, so um, feel free to reach out to me at any point, and I will uh, give you a, a a list of songs if you're interested. Um, <laughs> you're you sent me some ta- some messages of the, the songs from Apple. You text me like songs like, 
And it, the Metallica I really like because I originally my my stigmatization of it was they lo- they're an angry bad band, but really they make sense. They talk about good subjects like how to manage anxiety, how to control the controllable. That was really cool. And the and you sent me Pearl Jam. I'm a big Eddie Vedder guy. Um, I he's an it, Pearl Jam's incredible. Yellow lead bladder lead lead better. That was great. And his song from um, Into the Wild was terrific. So one of my favorite movies. So I personally really love Pearl Jam. Um, and and I love all those groups, really. Um, Simon Garfunkel, Hell, Darkness, My Old Friend, has been parodied in a lot of movies and TV shows. Let's see your gif of, um, of uh, I forgot the actors, Will Arnett, um, Hell, Darkness, My Old Friend. So that 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 was very funny. Um, I'm a I'm I'm big in those two from the the bands you mentioned. Yeah, Metallica definitely has like a little bit of a, a stigma behind it, um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about metal music, and, and there's everyone thinks it's like screaming and yelling, and there's a lot behind it um, in the sense that it's so so much. Um, but metal music is is based off of classical music in the sense that there are a lot of uh, different parts to um, a song, and it kind of crescendos at at, at um, the middle points in such a way that's you know not in any other type of music. Um, but yeah, Metallica has a lot of relaxing songs too, and I know that sounds a little odd, but they do have some chill chiller songs where it's not a lot of yelling and stuff like that. But um, yeah, no, that, that's good, and, and yeah, Eddie Vedder is incredible, and I'm glad that you liked it, and yeah, if any, if no, if if nobody's seen Into the Wild before, um, the movie is incredible, but the uh, soundtrack to it as well is, is, just makes it even better than what it is, um, movie-wise, so. Yeah, yeah, this, I, I, speaking of movies, I'm gonna transition to this, to our next topic. Obviously, movies yeah. are, are my second favorite thing behind sports. Um, but I also, what I really love about movies, what makes a movie work is the soundtrack. I mean, you could have a great movie, but it'll be a forgettable great movie without how good the soundtrack is. You see on, um, with like Pulp Fiction, an amazing soundtrack, or you see it with great movies like Eight Mile or, um, with the music and movies, or you see like, or The Breakfast Club. Don't you forget about me. It's all these great music in movies. So I, I know you're not, you tell me you're not a big movie person, but if you were to pick one movie, the best music-related movie out there, obviously I mentioned to you 8 Mile or A Star is Born or School of Rock or whatever, what's your favorite movie that features music in it? Yeah, um... You know, those those movies are really good. I like those movies a lot. Um, my favorite um, music movie is actually called Across the Universe. Um, uh, I don't know uh, if it's super popular, but... Um, I'm looking it up, Across the, the Universe. Yeah, it's the story of the Beatles, um, but it's, like, acted out, obviously, and it's um, the whole soundtrack is to the Beatles, and it's really an incredible... Um, movie and the way it's shot is very uh interesting um i like that a lot um saturday night fever is a oh classic. my god bgs the, the BG's terrific incredible yeah and uh 
that's probably up there. And then Bohemian Rhapsody is incredible as well. Uh, and then Yesterday. Um, yesterday. That's a great movie. I, yeah, I saw that. It's a, it's a good movie. It's it's definitely not incredible, but the, the music to it is very, very good. Um, and the guy who plays uh, the main character um, actually sings all the songs as well, and he's, he's very, very talented. So uh, I would say that's kind of my big four. Um, most of those are pretty popular. Uh, Across the Universe is not the most popular, but... Um, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It's, it's, it's a very good movie. Um, and the music is, is above very good. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I, I also, um, eight miles terrific with Eminem in kind of a semi auto, basically, um, a biographical film about his life, pretty meta, but it was a really inspiring movie. Um, the rap battles were great. Lose Yourself is one of the most iconic songs ever from a film. So that was really good. Um, some other good ones, um, obviously with animation, when typically with the Oscars, typically songs from the animated movies from Pixar, they typically usually get the nod for best song from original film. But they do have some good music, like Randy Newman from Toy Story, You, you Got a Friend in Me. Or um, obviously Frozen, but I've never seen Frozen. I, I personally, that's I I I've seen it once. It was good, but like it's not a movie I would rewatch again. But that was a great song, though. Let it go. That's what everyone during the, during our time in high school or whatever in pop culture loved singing. Let it go. So I mean, look, it, it there's a bunch of songs from movies that I love. Um, I mean, my there it's just a lot. Like, Don't You Forget About Me, like, in the Tarantino movies, lots of great music soundtracks. So it really just does depend. I think music and movies, without music and movies, there'd be nothing. It'd be just very monotonous and boring, so. I agree. Definitely. Um, now, uh, you're a guitarist yourself. Um, I, I've kept pushing you towards doing, well, before pre-COVID, to maybe perform at, like, some... I don't know, um, venues like the, I suggested the Highwood bowling alley or some bars downtown. Um, if COVID once COVID clears up, you thought about ever performing in public, like in those places, or you're just got like doing stuff Insta Insta live or something like that. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, definitely a goal to do something like that. Uh, obviously it has to be safe, um, to do that, but, um, yeah, you know, I think before, um, I've been playing pretty consistently for the past two years, and I would say probably when you asked me, you know, a year ago or eight months ago, I, you know, the confidence level might have not been as up there. Um, but over the past, you know, year or so, I, I think I've gotten much better um, and I feel very comfortable playing in front of people. Uh, the only question would be the voice. Um I, you know, I, I, I trust that I have an okay voice, but it would be nice to have someone, um, sing alongside who perhaps, um, is a little bit better than me. So, um, your yeah, dad, you know, it would definitely be fun and I, it, it has potential. Your One dad, is, maybe. Well, yeah, my dad would be good. My dad has a good voice. I don't know if, um, I don't know. If, yeah, that would be pretty fun actually. Father son uh, duo. Yeah, no, that's that would be definitely cool. I don't know if that will happen, um, but 
potentially when this all clears, yeah, I would like to do a coffee shop or something like that. My roommates actually um, play instruments as well, and we were talking about um, potentially doing something like that in the uh, when everything clears up. I can bring one of these instruments down from my wall right here, and maybe if I practice playing it, maybe I'll join. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we could saw at a stadium with Matty G playing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that'd be something. Um, anybody else in your family play the play any guitar or any music? Like, yeah, I, uh, I have a cousin um, who plays guitar, and he's pretty good. Um, but pretty much, no, it's just me and my dad. Um, we, when we, me and my dad play, we like hand my mom a tambourine that we have <laughs> because that's what we feel she's able to um, perform well with. So um, in regards to that, not really. Um, but, you know, me and my dad have definitely um, – bonded and and really enjoy our you know love for classic rock and and music um and playing it so yeah right i i i i um i agree with that i think from what you've what you've played you've played you've serenaded me a couple times it, it, you're a terrific uh guitarist um thank you David Rudin, thank you so much for joining the Off the Dome podcast. It was such an honor to speak with you. Um, hope um, go Bulls tomorrow night, go Bears, and um, I hopefully uh, you could be the next big artist and create something great for us during this time. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you having me. Thanks. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to Hour 2 of the Off the Dome podcast. Um, I will see you guys later, and go get them.